Hey everyone, welcome back to Podcast of the Galactic Heroes, and it's the final uh, episode of Planetess here. Uh, we got two episodes, episodes to cover. Um, I mean, unless you mean the podcast, in which it is the final <laughs> episode of the podcast. I, continue. That's what I... <laughs> yeah, that's what... <laughs> well, we'll be doing the final two episodes of Planetess today. Um, there are... We'll see whose predictions were right. Um... I feel like I deserve at least half credit on some of these. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, shall I guess we should just get started. Let's do it. It's going to be mostly talking about stuff afterwards, I think, is going to yeah. be a big part of this. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, 25 is like the wrap up, and 26 largely is an epilogue episode. So, um, mm-hmm. we might as well get to episode 25. And I got to say right away, um, I like how long they wait in this episode to reveal what actually happens. Oh my God. We were just sitting there going, like, come on, come on, tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me. God, I know. Did he shoot him? Yeah, so episode 25 is titled The Lost, which is a great omen. Uh, we see the lunar station and the Von Braun next to it. There's a press conference, and Locksmith is reading off the names of the crew members that have been chosen. Uh, Hachi is sitting on the board, so he got picked, which is good, but he's kind of in a daze with like that near-distance stare just going on. Um, the sound here the kind of just fades animal. out. Beast. Yeah. Uh, he, the sound fades out, and it fades to the black. Um, then Sally, which, who is sitting next to him, kind of nudges him and wakes him up. Uh, apparently, the reporter was asking him a question, and he really didn't listen to it. So the reporter uh, responds like, uh, do you have any worries about the seven-year trip to Jupiter? And Hachi just kind of stares at the guy. Uh, Hachi starts saying, like, where? I'm going where? Yeah. What do you mean? Where am I going? Like, completely, like, to some extent, probably, like, shell-shocked to some extent, uh, still. And, um... Yeah, the reporters are all stunned. They have, like, no idea what to do with this. Yeah. They are kind of like, uh... And, uh, the guy, the other guy was... Leo. Leo, Leo, Was that Leo? Yeah, Leo just, like, sprints over, wraps his arms around Hachi and goes, Haha, this guy's sense of humor fucking sucks. That's one of the things we're the most worried about, is dealing with his dog shit jokes for seven years. Isn't that right, buddy? (laughs) What an absolute joker, this guy. Yeah, and then, like, pulls him off later, and he's like, Yo, what the fuck, Hachi? You okay, bro? The reporter's like, oh, I see, I see. <laughs> All the reporters give like the most nervous chuckle. It's really great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, we cut later. Hachi, Sally, and Leo are packing stuff, and they're kind of giving him shit for spacing out. Um, he says that he's fine, and but like they're like, listen, you need to see like a psychiatric person or something. Uh, they, yeah, like she's straight up, she's like, you need to go get a, get a doctor's exam. And he's like, my body's fine. Or, you know, like, oh, it's fine. I already did all my medical examinations. And she's like, not your body, my guy. You're not, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so they apparently have a vacation that starts tomorrow before the trip starts. Um, and they won't, won't want him to go have fun. So he knocks out of it. Um, we see H- Hachi just has a flashback here to him holding the gun on Hakim. And it shows him pulling the trigger and then it fades out again. Um, Leo is uh, chatting with Sally, saying that it's uh, been six months since the attack, and it's you know amazing that Dolph was able to pull off all the repairs in the time he was able to do it. Yeah, uh, and like it's pretty fucked up that Hachi's been this fucked up by it for six months now. Yeah, uh, Hachi slaps his like uh, face or something, and there's a mosquito, and so they go like, "Oh no, how do we get bugs on here? This can't be good. We can't have bugs going to Jupiter." Seven-year trip to Jupiter, and there's a colony of mosquitoes on the spaceship. Oh, horrible. <laughs> Nightmare um, scenario. Yeah, we get a <laughs> shot of his hand uh, with blood in it because uh, of the mosquito. Also, there's a quick fade to Earth here. Hachi's mom is getting congratulations from friends at a supermarket. I don't know why they put that there. It didn't need to happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'm back. used to my husband having this, but not my son. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do like that line of just like, huh, he's usually uh, not very good at this, but yeah, just... good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, back on, I guess, the lunar station or whatever, uh, Leo and Sally are talking about vacation time. Uh, Goro shows up and he's like, hey, have you guys seen Hachi? And they say that he had came on an earlier flight, so Goro's like, oh, my stupid son, where did he go off to? Yeah, Goro's clearly been waiting at the airport, and Hachi's, like, ditched him. Not on the flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, we see a shot of a suit going onto the surface of the moon. Uh, back on the Von Braun, there are some like IT people doing software stuff, and an alert goes off, and they see that one of the suits is out of oxygen, and they're like, oh, that's weird, the crew's supposed to be on vacation. Also, why is this on the moon? That's weird. Uh, we cut the Hachi. He's on the moon in the suit, um, just kind of in a daze, just walking forward without any sort of destination or plan. As the alarms in his suit start going off as well. Yes. Um, we see a shot of this rescue shuttle landing next to him and like a first person shot of him like just looking through the suit all like kind of dazed and out of focus and there's people coming on him and they're talking and they're all muffled. And, yeah, and they point out like really importantly, hey man, you've been out here for over two days. Like if it wasn't one of the brand new cutting edge Von Braun suits, you'd be super dead. Yep, with a and tracker like, and shit. Huh. We never would have found you. I would have, huh? Yeah, and like, and they cut to the inside too of his display and show it counting up, and he has been out there for like forty nine hours. Yeah. Which, like, holy shit! Imagine just wandering into the void for forty nine hours. In like, a few what state. A bu- Hachi's having some when you trouble. have some severe <laughs> uh, mental trauma. Yeah, that could happen. So, yeah. <laughs> Hachi, yeah, he says like you would have been dead without the suit, and Hachi's like, yeah, you're right. And then, like, when we're getting you back, uh, we're going to get you a full checkup to see what happens. And Hachi's like, get back. Where? How? Like, he's just sort of confused by it. Yep. Uh, we got the Chen Shin. He's in one of his uh, cruise ship spaceships. I don't he's know. He's in another he's... clamshell phone cruiser. Yeah. Uh, he's piloting humans again or piloting people around again. And, uh, you know, he's looks he's to be happy. the humans. It's <laughs> yeah. me, Chen As opposed to the cargo, you know. Right. <laughs> Uh, so he starts giving his cabin speech, and uh, we cut back to one of the rooms in the ship. It's basically Goro just floating there, watching Hachi floating comatose. Uh, yep. Hachi is totally out of it. Uh, we cut to the Galileo office. Locksmith is looking for the Hoshinos. Um, he's kind of upset that they're gone. Uh, Dolph says that they went to Earth for some rest and relaxation. And apparently it was Goro who asked for the time off, which is yeah, unusual. Like, uh, Locksmith is literally like, uh, but... You know, I'm sure, yeah, sure, Hachi, whatever, but Goro, he doesn't need to go. And Dolph's like, he's the one who asked, actually. Yeah, Hachi, yeah. Didn't, Hachi didn't want to go, but uh, his dad was like, they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Goro, Goro is not a great father by any measures. <laughs> no. But when the chips are down in a situation like this, even he recognizes, oh, shit, I got to take care of my son. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I got to help wrong. my boy out right now because he's in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so um, they talk about that for a bit, and then later Dolph asks Locksmith to uh, help him with another, quote, important matter, which is just a little bit of foreshadowing. Oh, I can't wait. Can I just say, I'm so glad Dolph's alive. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we see Goro and Hachi at a spaceport. They're kind of incognito. They got, like, the shades on and everything. Apparently they have an hour layover, so Goro's trying to be, like, friendly, almost out of character friendly to uh, Hachi, but Hachi is still in his dazed state. Uh, Goro goes to go get a drink and then some uh, sake, if I remember correctly. Yes, you he wants sake. to drink his son up. Get sake out of like a vending machine. I don't know. Yes, anyway. 
He comes Apart- back with it in a straw. Yeah, apparently you can't not Capri blue. Sun patch himself. Yeah, I forgot it was Why a Capri not? Sun pouch. I mean, it makes sense, but it's still funny. Yes. Oh, God. I would... Hmm. I wonder what the strongest alcohol you can buy in a Capri Sun pouch is. I know that you can buy a plastic flask specifically to get through metal detectors. Not to, Anyway. Um, <laughs> I've never strapped one of those to my leg at a football game. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> Yeah, so Hachi sees some other guy asking about Technora, and he just kind of like snaps out of it for a brief second and goes down to the debris section. Um, the office is empty, and he looks over at Tanabe's desk, and he sees Tanabe's will um, sitting there in the case that was in like an episode four or something. Uh, yep. So he picks it up and kind of looks at it for a second, but then Ravi and Philip come in and they start congratulating him. So he just kind of like you know brushes it aside. Um, they're shorthanded after they lost both Claire and Tanabe and Hachi's surprised that Tanabe left and Robbie's like, Oh, you didn't know she went back home to earth. Uh, Philip says that, uh, she went through a lot after the attack and resigned. And there was, this is like super, just kind of leave it hanging in the air. Yeah. It, they're very coy she, she's about alive, what happened. Though. Yes. We, she, well, we know Tanabe's alive. We don't know about Claire yet, but we know Tanabe's alive. So we're like, okay. The way this episode drip feeds you information is fucked up. Also, <laughs> yeah, the fact that it's just like, yeah, she's alive. And also she felt like she wanted to not be in space anymore, which has implications that uh, I was not excited about when they said this. I was like, no, Tanabe, no. Mm. Yeah, so Ravi like rips off a shipping package thing and gives her Hachi her address. And both her, both him and Philip are like, listen, you need to pay her a visit when you go back to Earth. Uh, and then there's a cut to Earth, the coastline of Earth with some windmills, and it's at the evening. So uh, great omens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to the Hoshino house at night. Uh, Goro is uh, teasing Kyoto about his height. Apparently the kid's like, what, 182 or something centimeters, which is quite tall. That is six foot four. Yeah. yeah. Wow, he's uh, taller than yeah. you. Yes, he, wow. he is my height. I'm 180 centimeters. That, that's a tall boy. Like, he's huge now. <laughs> yeah, he definitely had a gross part. And they're kind of te- being teased over it. And they start fighting over food. Um, Goro tries to give some of the pork cutlet to Hachi. And Kyoto is like, Hachi quit growing a long time ago, which is... I love this bit because he's putting the pork on the plate. Kitaro's just, like, taking, taking it back pork off. off of his dad's plate. And <laughs> they're, just, just, they're just cycling this pork <laughs> over the plate. Yeah, Kyoto is talking about how he wants to make a ship uh, that goes to Venus while they're away going to Jupiter or something. And then mom asks Hachi, is like, hey, listen, you're okay. If you don't eat faster, they're going to take it all. And Hachi's like, you know, that's okay. And he leaves, which is, again, out of character for him compared to how we saw him last time with his family. Yeah, and his katsu's like completely untouched as well. Uh, oh, oh, do you mean last time when him and his brother threw each other through a window when there was a defenestration that took place? A little bit different yeah. Yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so later we see mom and Goro. I keep calling her mom. I forgot what her name was. Um, Does she have it's a mom. name? It's just mom, sure. It's fine. It's mom now. <laughs> mom. <laughs> to be fair, you're calling Kyutaro. I can't even say it. Yeah, I'm Kyoto. Kyoto, it's sure. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, mom and dad are asking, talking about Hachi. And Goro's like, yeah, I know he's kind of fucked up. I don't know what's going on. He's like, I thought if you had some of your cooking, he'd be cool, but... They, they just, like, don't know what to do about it. Your dad, dad not great. He's pulled every dad move he's aware of, and he's all out of tricks. <laughs> get son drunk, get son mother's food. That's it. That's all I know. I, yep. I tried booze, I tried food. That always works on me. Hachi and Goro's relationship is kind of fascinating because it's the perfect, like, bad dad but not disastrous dad kind of well, relationship. You don't hate him. He's not, yeah. like, an abusive dad or anything. He's just kind of not He's just kind of shit. Dad who works a Goku dad. Yeah, yeah. Dad who works too to much. some extent. 
He likes his kid, but doesn't want to relate to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mean, means well, but is more busy with space and or fighting than raising child. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. So uh, Hachi's getting ready for bed, and uh, he kind of, like, throws a blanket and gets uh, hits his jacket, and then Tanabe's will falls out of it, and, like, he realizes that he put it in his pocket when Ravi and Philip were talking to him. So he thinks about it for a second, then just goes ahead and opens it. And, like, while he's doing this, he mutters to himself, oh, it's just going to be stupid stuff about love. Uh, but then there's a reaction shot of him surprised, and uh, we see the letter, and there's nothing written on it. Yeah, it's basically got, like, to whom it may concern in the header, and then, like, there's just a big erase mark below that. Yeah. And so he looks shocked for a second, and then he's kind of resolved. And so we see him on his motorcycle driving along the coastline at night. Um, there's a montage of the motorcycle riding with flashbacks of Tanabe and his interactions from, like, the first episode to the last. And there's a bunch of voice over here saying, like, uh, she's talking about love, spirit, learning to do EVA stuff, him being a sensei, apologies. Just basically every sort of interaction they've ever sort of had. It, it gets very overwhelming as well. Like, it, at first you see him, like, lane splitting and shit, and it slowly just turns into nothing but memories. Yeah, and like towards yeah. the end, it gets more into the relationship, her telling him about the love rays, her crushing on him, telling him not to go, her being worried and trying to get him to open up, you know. Uh, so the music here, like he's still riding his motorcycle, the music here just kind of gets fuzzy for a second and sort of fades out. Um, his other self shows up and asks if he's getting second thoughts. And he's like, are you turning to others for help? You know, in the end, all humans are alone. Hachi, this is a bad idea to do when you're driving a motorcycle. <laughs> Yeah. Not a good time for a crisis. No. Existential crisis while going 75 on the freeway. Not, you know. <laughs> uh, so Hachi, like, resigns, like, yes, I am alone. And then there's a pull-out shot of just this motorcycle just driving along the coastline completely in the dark. Uh, then we get a close-in shot of him really dazed and then suddenly alert. And there's a railing in front of him. And the motorcycle's hit it. And he's flying into the water. It's all I, very I told, quick. I, I told you. Bad idea, Hachi. <laughs> Terrible idea to space out on a motorcycle. Being a motorcyclist, yeah, if the only don't thing between out. you, <laughs> yeah, if anything between you and the ocean is like a rail, or between you and some considerably lower ground, yes. uh, is a rail. You really need to be there. on that shit. <laughs> yeah. When you're on a motorcycle, you should be paying attention. It's a death trap. Yeah, otherwise. yeah, yeah, for sure. But like bonus points, if if you go over the edge, you're extremely in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so he is sinking into the ocean now and is surprised. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, he's kind of shocked that he's dying. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's very similar to, like, when Yuri was out in space and uh, God, billion episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, the color fades the grayscale here. And he's like, oh, there's nothing in this place. I wonder if I'm dead, you know. But it doesn't feel like I'm dead. I feel like I'm still alive. But yet I'm alone down here. And then, of course, we get the voiceovers like, this is just the way you wanted it. It's... Uh, but he's like, I don't, he, he somehow like changes his mood here from like, this is the way I wanted it to be. But then like, he becomes honest with himself saying like, I didn't want to be lonely all this time and starts calling out for others. Yep. Uh, we see the Von Braun suit appear in front of him and he starts heading towards it almost like in a panicked state. But of course the visor opens up and it's Hakeem. Ruh -roh. Yeah. Cause yeah, this is the one thing he's been holding on to as this is my purpose. Oh, and why I've been willing to go alone this hard. Yep. And then is reminded. Oh, right. The one friendship I had was also, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yep. And so Hakeem says to him, this is what you've always wanted. Shoot and fall into the abyss. And then the scene kind of melts oh. into the scene of them on the Von Braun during the attack. I love this transition because it's like Hakeem sort of reaches his hand out and Hachi reaches his out. 
and they basically just like melt into the Von Braun scene where we saw them in the yeah, last them episode. Yeah, them reaching for each other to try to connect. It turns into them reaching to each other with guns. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and Incredible. like the suit falls off of Hakeem oh. almost in the same way as like um, when they did the like nanomaterials yep. in turn A, yeah. when those would like fall apart and kind of disintegrate, mm-hmm. like and kind of crack up. It's like that same effect of the suit just falling off Hakeem, and it looks so good. Yeah, it looks so good. It's absolutely wild. Yeah, so they're back in the Von Braun on the attack. Hachi's face gets a close up and he says, I'll shoot you. And we see a close up of the gun, and he does, in fact, pull the trigger. So good job, Ty. <laughs> Yay! Point one for Ty! <laughs> yeah! And nothing happens. And Hakeem takes this opportunity to push him back and then pulls out a knife and lunges at uh, Hachi. It's about to stab him. But then elsewhere in the Von Braun, there's a large explosion which blasts down this hallway and then blows up into the room that they're in and blows them apart from each other. Yeah, like, Hakim is very clearly caught in the blast of this explosion and flies away, whereas Hachi is not, like... As hurt. He, he basically just kind of huddles in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, like, like basically the metal that came out, like, smacked Hakim, but, like, it kind of protected Hachi from the yeah. rest of the blow. Yeah. Uh, so back in the Dark 50 zone, uh, Hachi says that, like, it, it wasn't all talk. I really did want to kill Hakim. And, like, we see his still outstretched hand, like, pulling an imaginary trigger, and we hear clicking noises. Over and over. Yeah. Like, it basically becomes a tick for the rest of the scene. Yeah, he said there was no ammo in the gun. It wasn't my fault. Whose fault was it, then, that I couldn't shoot you? Wait, whose fault? No, who do I have to thank that I couldn't shoot you? And we still see his hand pulling the imaginary trigger in front of him. By the way, I'm not 100% sure if I caught this, but in the previous episode when Hachi first picked up the gun, there was a shot of the underside of it and there wasn't a magazine in it. Oh, there was? I did Hmm. notice that. Like when he finds the gun, if you go back and look at it, I'm pretty sure there's just a hole in the bottom of it. Hmm. So yeah, Hakeem in front of him turns into Tanabe and this time she is in color instead of black and white. Uh, She says to him, let's go home, senpai. And then the trigger hand is... They actually do something with the art here that's like pretty notable because they don't really use this technique much in the series uh, in that the character outlines themselves are usually just like a flat black, you know, for the most part, like they're the lines on the outsides. And here they use like warm colors from like the characters tones themselves. So like a lighter brown for an outline, like kind of a reddish pink around the hair, that kind of thing. Uh, And it just... Gives everyone like a really warm, positive glow kind of situation. It, it looks good. It, they it was a stylistic choice, and when compared to the black and white, it's a really stark contrast. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. they really wanted to make sure there was no black or white in these when they were <laughs> yeah. done. Like they were like colors always. <laughs> yeah. So she says, "Let's go home, senpai." Uh, the trigger hand that he has outstretched kind of starts to reach to her, but it's hesitant at first. Then we see Fee, Yuri, Philip, Ravi, uh, pretty much everybody who's named character in the series. The rest of the friends like stand up and start giving him encouragement. And he's like, yeah, let's go home. Stuff like that. Come on, you um, idiot. Hurry up. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a pullout <laughs> shot of all of them holding hands in like a large spiral around him. And like it keeps pulling out more and more. And the spiral is very huge. And then the spiral just kind of turns into like a galaxy spiral. And then we see a hand reaching out towards that galaxy spiral, and then it's his hand coming out of the water, and he pulls himself onto a pier. With another really hard cut, and oh my god, it's so fucking good. Yeah, basically Hachi just finally had his moment of, oh my god, I had so many friends and people who kind of liked me and supported me, (laughs) and I... 
oh my god i'm so stupid <laughs> like it's really good yeah it, it, it's like a clear moment of just like oh i fucked up so bad for so long oh jesus yep. <laughs> yeah so he says like was that space if that was space then what was i looking at up to now and like he kind of shows him just looking up at the stars in the amazement uh, up on the road uh we see an electric wheelchair that's kind of moving in the darkness and the voice calling out asking if he's all right uh the voice in the electric wheelchair comes to a light and we see that it's tanabe in uh the wheelchair with very short hair it looks like it's been chopped recently yeah it's very like medical haircut yeah yeah um she realizes that it's him and it's very surprised in her usual cheerful way i i do fucking love tanabe is the one person who could like roll up to someone she hasn't seen in six months no reason for him to be there at all soaking wet from being in the ocean and be like oh hey (laughs) (laughs) wait for a swim Yeah, so we cut to him pushing her along the road. Um, she says that she'll tell her dad about the bike. And then, like, you know, I went to the Von Braun to come see you. And, and he's like, how'd you get there? I was like, well, I kind of piggybacked on Colin's ride. But, you know. See that um, asshole? He specifically says. Yeah. It, it should be noted during the scene, Hachi is a bit more reserved than usual. But he is snapped out of his days from before. Yes. Um, he asks about her legs, if they got hurt during the attack. And she tells him about the crash landing, the 10-hour walk, and her oxygen running out. And she says something to effect of like, oh, I was rescued by the shuttle bus, but suffered from nerve damage. And like during this entire scene, her hands are kind of twitching involuntarily, um, kind of yeah. punctuating She's that. still having some trouble with processing this, which again, like, holy shit, fair. Yeah. I think almost she also mentions, she mentions too, she's like, it was like um, an experimental like nerve nerve link therapy or something like they basically mm. tried like some kind of surgery to get her nerves back in order that probably otherwise would have just been you know extremely permanent damage like she's just like yeah i'm, I'm kind of lucky they had a procedure for it and also i think this is where she mentions that um she's working on rehabilitation stuff yes. and that it's you know quote unquote you know going pretty well and she should be able to make a full recovery uh it's just gonna take a while yeah so she tells hachi all of this and she's trying to be cheerful but you can tell it's still kind of um it's fucked up it's it's very tanabe where (laughs) i mean we saw what she did last episode and how she kept up the cheerful facade Mm -hmm. uh hachi's kind of just staring at her now at this point uh tanabe says that claire was discharged early because she was using less oxygen and we see a flashback shot of claire with some suits next to her looking at the tanabe in the hospital and tanabe's in this like super advanced medical bed thing getting therapy and and claire's like you know standing around with them so like yeah, clearly she crutch, but she's yeah, fine like, otherwise all right nowhere claire, near clear alive all right yeah. yep um tanabe said like she didn't know how long rehab was going to be so she quit the company you know not to put a burden on others um, they walk in silence for a bit and this goes on for a while and then Hachi stops and tells her that he needs to apologize to her and hands her the will that he had in his pocket. Uh, she immediately starts getting emotional over this, says that like, you know, last year I wrote a proper will, but after all the stuff that I saw in space and then with you leaving for seven years, like I just couldn't think of anything to write. And she like realizes this is after all of her like bravado about lectures of love and everything. And she just starts crying here. Um, he tells her that he had an epiphany tonight and then like his idea of space was way too small. And like, I know there's a lot of painful stuff with no easy answers, but there's nothing in the world that isn't part of space and that everything is connected, including him. And he's a part of space and he's okay with that. Um, and that's what she, he says, like, that's what you were trying to tell me this whole time. I just wasn't listening. The thing that binds us together is, and he kind of just lets it hang there and holds her hand and she is very happy. 
Ray. I, yeah. We I still don't know if she took the air tank yet, though. <laughs> still don't know. I, we need to know I for love our predictions. <laughs> we need to know. Yeah. I consider this is where I think I get half credit because, yeah, not not dead. Dang. <laughs> I mean, good, but also, but, dang, I did predict dead. The uh, answer is <laughs> coming next episode, so we'll see who gets the next point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, final episode. It's kind of a post-cap episode, and it's an epilogue. You know, some might say epilogue. I wrote post-cap when I was taking notes because I'm an idiot. Um, so it starts with uh, Hachi still preparing to go on the Jupiter mission, and uh, him and Goro just kind of sassing each other. But it like seems a lot more like playful and good willed as opposed to like active, you know, being. This like, is when they're with each other to all each the time, other, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's in the yeah. format of like, dear John, you know. Well, yep. Yeah. 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 But yeah, and it's um, also and like Hachi is actually fighting back now. Is yeah, really he's getting more thing. joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tanabe is uh, progressing well with her rehab exercises and whatnot, and they, like, show a compilation of her, like, doing some really probably very painful yeah, she rehab likes to be in stuff, pain which so always is. is. Yeah, like, they have her, like, just trying to work on, like, leg mobility stuff and getting, you know, those muscles back in order and getting those nerves to heal and all that. And it, yeah, that, that shit sucks. Yeah, and <laughs> she, she ends the letter by it. saying that, like, they might even let me go back into space soon, which is kind of the yeah. the hanger at the end there. Yeah, because this is another mm-hmm. six months on, I think. I believe so, yeah. Is this where yep. they also show the shot of her with the sea cucumber? I think she yes. kept yes. that pet, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. She kept it. It's, it's a good pet. Um... Yeah, so then, we, uh, then there's the intro, and uh, so we cut to Hachi uh, meeting with Shin somewhere, and they kind of immediately start fighting uh, back and forth. Like, they have, like, a little bit of a, hey, about that fucked up thing I said. No, me first. No, me first. Fuck hey, you. Come on, I want to go first and one apologize. Who- well, once again, it's a bit of a, a more good-natured bickering than, like, mm-hmm. when they were at the uh, training center. Yeah. Hachi just, you know, Laid ripped in attention. Yeah, yeah, they're both trying to apologize yeah. to each other at the same time. Like, no, I get the go first. No, you get the go first, you know. Yep. Um, the yeah, sign behind they, them uh, says Galileo Crater Prison as well. Or like yeah, prison so, center. Yeah. So yeah, they seem willing to bury the hatchet for now. Um, and they're visiting someone in prison and like the folks who work at the prison are just like, God, I wish they'd fight somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a prison guard and two people who aren't in prison start fighting in front of you, that's got to just be a bother, right? Well, it's just <laughs> like, oh God, I really cannot stand these two idiots. Get out of here. <laughs> So uh, they get brought in, and they sit down, and on the, on the other side of the glass is uh, Claire, uh, once again, with, like, a very short prison haircut. Um, yep. She asks kind of, you know, what they're, what they're doing here, and, you know, they, they just obviously, like, hey, we're here to visit, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Claire had used, or uh, Hachi used his pull as one of the members of the crew to, like, get in for the visit, because apparently this is... It not usually easy like visitation is a real pain in the butt this especially when it's a high security it's... prison and as we're about yeah. to learn she is a terrorist yeah yeah Shocking, I, mean, trying, I know um, <laughs> trying to crush the von braun yeah. maybe terrorism <laughs> yeah claire like she ended up getting a quote-unquote lighter sentence because she just told them everything they needed and she kind of realizes at that point like oh right yeah i wasn't really a 
big deal in the, in the terms of this organization I was just a small fry like I wasn't really anybody so they were willing to you know cut my sentence if I just told them yep. stuff yeah, she ten did years. still um, get 10 years yeah yeah which hey 10 years for trying to destroy a multi-trillion dollar project and uh, murdered <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people and, yeah. and murder a lot of people she yeah, only, only murdered maybe a dozen people yeah, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> she wanted to like. She kind of goes on about how she wanted so hard to be part of like you know society and the upper class that she just kind of pushed herself way too hard and kind of lost herself in it. Um, then we finally cut to the answer of what did Tanabe do, and they show Tanabe going to take the air and even cracking the seal on yeah. it and like opening up the thing so she could pull the tank out. And then finally just coming to her senses, backing away from Claire, and just falling on the ground and kind of starting to asphyxiate, like, yep. right away. It is, this is um, like, very visceral, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> Watching this is uncomfortable. Yeah, they, it's very upsetting. They show her... She is, she is thrashing. Yeah, it is an asphyxiated panic thrash. It is not, not good to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, Claire, like, realized oh shit, she could have taken my air and could have gone and apparently was getting ready to take her helmet off and just end it there, which, yeah, that's a classic moon, moon suicide is take your helmet off. Yep. There's um, another person asphyxiates next to you. Like, oh God. Yeah, but uh, then in the distance, you see that there was the uh, shuttle bus and it's like pretty far away. Yeah. Um, and Claire kind of has a moment and realizes that even if she thinks she's done she can't abandon Tanabe. <laughs> like yep. After Tanabe just did the actual most selfless thing a person can do and accepted her own death over letting someone else not have... Someone else who has already declared they deserve to die and wish to die yep. and not letting them do it. Like, mm. refusing that, you know? Yeah, there's this um, moment... There's this shot in it where it's like... Uh, it zooms in on Claire's helmet and it turns out even though she wasn't responsive, she was still, like, more or less conscious while the yeah. whole thing was happening. She was just going to let Tanabe take her air tank away because she wanted that anyway. So, like, Mm -hmm. she saw exactly what happened. Yeah. And so Claire then, instead of just ending it, uh, uses part of her suit and, like, shoots a flare up into the air, more or less. Or, like, you know, the equivalent of a space flare. I think they brought up that this is a thing that all the suits have, like, an emergency sign. it Way makes sense, when. right? Yeah, you you would you would want that. You would yeah. want some kind of fuck. We're here, please, yep. Beacon, for sure. Um, so then uh, Hachi kind of explains how he's doing much better now and gets that everyone's connected and kind of gets a little philosophical. And, and- Changshin and Claire both kind of like roast him a bit for yep. it. They're like. They're like, all right, Hachi, you <laughs> fell in the ocean once and you think you know everything now. <laughs> I do like it, though, because that is literally the exact thing that Hachi accused Hakim of, like, mm-hmm. three episodes ago. Yes. Like, you're just, like, some sort of philosopher now. And, like, it, it comes full circle. It's really good. It's also mm-hmm. uh, a good point to th- is that um, Chen Shin asked Claire previously, is like, well, why did you save Taname? Like, what made you do it? And it's like, did you two like, did you like her or something? And she's like, no. And she goes Fuck off and lists her. all the ways oh, that right. she doesn't like Tanabe. But she's like, I think Chen Shin says something. You know, the opposite of love is in hate. It's indifference. It's like even it's, if you hate, it's the apathy. Person, yeah, yeah. There's some sort of connection you have there, and that's when 
Hachi goes off for his connection speeches. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you Yo, only care. Totally. Yeah, you only get upset by someone if you care about their opinion. If if they think you suck and you are completely apathetic towards them, it is nothing. Yep. Yeah. Um and then Claire decide uh, like mentions that once her sentence is over, her plan is to uh, try and translate more first world language technical first world first of all can we talk about how first world and third world is some bullshit yeah no, okay that is some really shitty loaded language that was created in cold war uh, time. that was what in the in cold war situation yes. or that yeah. was the second world yeah. was like the ussr and all of its satellites it was just a way that we could document things so that America and all of the capitalist societies could claim themselves better and yep. pu- publish that on anything. Unfortunately, now, it's that entered the lexicon said, as something yep. that's easy yeah, to grasp Yeah, I'm understand. using it purely in the, yeah, in that sense of identification. It's It sucks. Further record, but again, anyway. Claire is uh, deciding to, yeah, translate uh, technical text to the Tanikan t- language, uh, which is like, good. That's a huge thing. That's mm-hmm. uh <laughs> Rami Ismail, uh, ex Vlambeer, that was like his he, one of his biggest projects was starting a huge uh, technical translation project, mm. and it's it's been incredible so far. It's fantastic, um, and she just explains that like she can't really carry on. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name again. Hakim. Hakim. No. Oh, uh, Tamara. No. Tamara. Yeah, yeah, like the promise she made Tamara's goals. And whatnot, yeah. She's like she let him down in that stuff, but wants to still, you know, do what she can, yeah. more or less. She seems repentant um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, so we cut to My the best shit scene in of the episode. This episode. So <laughs> yeah, this shit slaps. So like, hey everybody, remember how we were like, Dolph deserves better. Dolph has <laughs> yes. just been doing his job and like being solid at it and just trying to like be chill, keep his head down, and do his fucking work. And like, god damn it. Dolph finally gets his. So the board is basically like taking you in and being like, congratulations, Dolph. Uh, You know, you did, you did well. We're deciding to uh, reinstate your position. You'll be the vice president of Technora. Uh, You know, it's a, it's a big step up. And then Dolph just kind of turns to them and goes, Uh, I thought you said it was a promotion last time when I got moved to uh, the president of a whole new company. Uh, so it sounds like vice president would actually be uh, a demotion unless something's up. And the board member just kind of does. He's just like, cut the sarcasm. We all know that that was, you know, a big fuck you thing. And Dolph just, <laughs> Dolph just straight up is like, ah, well, uh, I guess the question isn't so much of. You know, because uh, he's like, oh, it's clearly a better position. Technora is like a way bigger company. You know, Galileo is like this little scrappy bullshit thing. And he's like, yeah, you're right. There is no comparison between Technora and Galileo Industries. It is, you know, much, much smaller. But I guess at the end of the day, that's not really the choice as much as would I rather be a pet dog or a lone wolf? Well, anyway, fuck you. And leaves. <laughs> and walks out. And he drops the, the- bike and leaves. <laughs> The beauty of this also comes in in the very next scene, of course, where... Yeah. yeah, the debris team are now, like, talking about it. Fee's still smoking in her smoking room. And, like, yeah. so, yeah, Ravi's like, yep, this Galileo has, like, locksmith technology, like, unlocked. Dolph's got, like, an exclusive contract for this guy, so fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and that they also, yeah. like, started reaching out to Vega, which is another, like, Technora competitor to, like, get deals with them. So it turns out they're actually just a major player now. Oops. 
Yeah, it was uh, Vega who was like specifically cut from yeah. the uh, the project by Technora as like kind of a you know vengeful nail in the coffin attempt by them, and yeah. so yeah, he was just like, actually, I worked with Locksmith, and Locksmith really liked what I did and how I handled things, so we just decided we're taking all the patents anyway. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, like, probably the like previous just, episode just probably shoved the paperwork in front of Locksmith who's in the office there looking for yeah. the Hoshino's and it's like, you know, just sign this real quick. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that Locksmith is also smart enough to recognize oh, what's happening. Yeah, yeah, like, yo, that, fucking but... go get him, dude. Like, the yeah. man is a chaos Locksmith, elemental. All, yeah, Locksmith, all he cares about is that he has built the sickest ship ever made and that it goes off. Wow, and that's all he fucking cares about. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think he's super happy to keep working with Dolph because yep. Dolph will get him everything he wants. Yep. Like, Dolph will make Locksmith's job so much easier, you know? Yeah. And and Dolph also is willing to go with some of, yeah. like, Locksmith's more dangerous ideas. He just is keeps it tempered, right? Yeah. He keeps it tempered without diluting what Locksmith is trying to do. Whereas like everyone else was just like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Like Dolph has been yeah. willing to kind of meet him halfway on a lot of this stuff, which is, you know, good. It's good for both parties. Yeah. Lord knows you don't want Locksmith just doing whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, he recognizes Locksmith as a sociopath, but Locksmith is also smart enough to recognize that no one will bother him if Dolph can cut back on his worst impulses. Lock, Locksmith yeah. wakes up in the morning and is like, today I think I'll cause trouble. <laughs> yes, I am going to cause problems on purpose. He is a horrible goose, for sure. <laughs> oh, God. And um, so this is all being explained by the different members of Debris section. And then we cut back to Fee, who is kicked back in her chair with no cigarette in her yep. mouth, laughing her fucking ass off. Just <laughs> a clearly just in absolute delight that her boy Dolph has officially turbo dunked on them, Dolph which she has been waiting for, for for a very long time. And like the detail I love about this is to show how much she's just been laughing and having a great time. They cut to her ashtray and one of the cigarettes is just like three quarters of the way, just ash. Like as yeah. in, for those of you who have never smoked cigarettes, <laughs> that means someone has not uh, pulled on it in a while. Because if you pull on it, you know, you tap it off, it breaks off, that kind of thing. If you just let it burn, it just turns into a stick of ash yep. unbroken. And they just cut to that. So like... Fee is having is so delighted by all of this that she was willing to just stop. She just didn't need to smoke. She just yep. needed to laugh. This is enough like, of a high. nicotine high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which for Fee, that's some shit. Mm. <laughs> um. So now we cut to uh, Hachi and Goro. They're uh, talking about, or they're like talking at uh, Giggle's grave, and they're uh, watching the video. It of course says all the stuff about you know, hey you. You know, a ship is only, you know, a ship needs a port to come back to or whatever. It needs a home port as opposed to just saying harbor. (laughs) Right? So weird. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of says like, oh, and, you know, tell Goro I wish the best, et cetera, et cetera, that thing. Uh, And (laughs) so then Hachi and Goro are sitting there and clearly it's, you know, an emotional thing. You know, Giggle was Goro's friend and Hachi's mentor. And... Hachi starts messing with his dad in the in the most classic fuck with your dad way possible, which is as a grown son, just be like, Daddy. <laughs> like, 
want to go so on the spaceship, like, Dad? He's like, he's like, Daddy, he's right. Well, you need to. to I hope you're like, doing well, Daddy. Says something effective, like, oh, we need to make up for the missed time on this trip. And he says, like, yeah, Daddy, let's do this or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, he just starts messing with them. The missed yeah, time it's, started it's, when I was, what, six? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, let's catch up. We'll start now. Let me start at four years old. <laughs> Um, and so uh, then we cut to Tanabe, and she's good to go to space at least a little bit. Yeah, he's so. like, I'm going back to seven with my last few days of vacation because Tanabe is uh, able Tanabe's to come back. coming up from Earth, yeah. <gasps> so uh, then we cut to the oh, no. scene of tension in <laughs> Planet Test. Because you thought, you thought Planet Test was going to let you go without one more? You didn't think you were going to get hit one more time out the door, you stupid motherfucker? No, of course there's one more. Yep. So we cut to a shot of just someone on the lunar surface in a spacesuit carrying a, a briefcase that looks a lot like the briefcases we've seen used in the past to blow up smoking rooms. Do a terrorism <laughs> or stuff. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this, you know, shadowy figure is just walking out, and then we see No No, uh, the, you know, the 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 lunar the lunarian child, uh, doing her thing where she gets into a suit and kind of runs around on the moon a little bit because you know again, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this thing a child just does, <laughs> um, and she walks out and goes, "Oh shit, I've been caught. I'm sorry. Are you from the hospital? I'll, I'll go back. I'm I'm sorry." And then. Uh, the person uh, kind of starts approaching her a little bit and uh, has a has one of those anchor launchers. And she starts being like, oh, geez, I think my communications aren't on. One sec. Let me check. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And then we eventually get, I can hear you. And it's it's Hakeem. Yeah. It's Hakeem. <laughs> it's Hakeem. I Uh-oh. love how they oh, use fuck. these fucking anchor launchers to, cause, to like create so much tension in this show. Like mm-hmm. every time one of them shits shows up, it's like, oh, no. I mean, presumably and, uh, it's hard to find guns on the moon, so... Yeah. No, it's, it's brilliant yeah. the way they do it, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, uh, she kind of goes like, oh, are you okay, mister? I'm, I'm sorry, I'll go back. Uh, don't report me to the hospital, please. And he just kind of says, I'm going to make the moon pristine again. I'm going to make it clean again. And I'm, like, I'm very oh. busy. I got to clean all the stuff up. Yeah, mankind has sullied this space for too long, and I'm about to clear it off. And, um... So I'm worried about this. And then they do the commercial break here. Because of yep. course they do. Of course they fucking do. Those motherfuckers. <sighs> so we get back. And then, um, so it's a conversation happening between Hakeem and Nono. And Hakeem is clearly, like, getting himself psyched up and ready to the shoot again. this child. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, he's giving his speech talking about how, you know, like, you know, it's the space is just dominated by these few handful of countries. It's not for everybody, et cetera, et cetera. And no, no, being a child who has never been on Earth is just too innocent for this. And she's like, oh, what what country? Where Where is yours? I, I've studied them. I've never been down there. I'm a Lunarian, by the way. I don't really know what Borders is. And Hakeem <laughs> just is like baffled for a second and goes like, oh, my God, I can't I can't shoot this kid. <laughs> like ha- almost has a moment of just like, huh? Yeah, you really can't see the borders from up here. How about that? Like, is one step away from having a perfect Metal Gear Solid 3 The Boss moment, and immediately is just like, 
uh, unfortunately I can still see the borders. Like he yep. has this moment of like, yeah, you're right. There are no borders in space. Unfortunately on earth, there extremely still are borders. And a lot of my friends are suffering because of them. He, he's <laughs> like, also like, you, you never get a full shot of his face in this, but every like Dutch angle that they cut to him have, he's got like a bandage on his head. Oh yeah. He's fucked his up under there. Facial hair has been like burned in a burned whole bunch up. of places just off clean. So he's a really patchy mustache. Like, Mm. he's clearly pretty fucked up at this point as well. Yeah. The explosion was not good for him. No. But having an explosion hit him in the whole body did not do good things. <laughs> Your whole body shockingly not enough. meant to take explosions. Oh, crap, my whole body. <laughs> yeah. So um, then we cut to Tanabe floating around in the station and like, Doing pretty okay at it, you know, not not having too much There's trouble. There's a whole bunch of, like, uh, tourists coming out and, like, you know, flipping and flailing. So, like, she's a little unsteady, but clearly much better than they are at she's it. She's practiced, yeah. 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 Um, And she meets with Hachi, who's dressed like a doofus. <laughs> he try, uh, He's dressed like Hachi a flasher. To, I'm a playboy, yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, it's clearly he's dressed so he doesn't draw attention and have 50 people asking for him and his father's autograph. Suit on. He looks like he's got a rob store. I know. Store. It, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's that whole thing of, like, if I cover myself up entirely, no one will know I'm a celebrity. But then, like, there's one person who's entirely covered up and the most suspicious-looking person on the planet. You're like, that's probably a celebrity, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, and, you know, he's just kind of like, I think it makes me look like a playboy. And Tanabe's like, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> Why do I like you? God damn and then uh hachi explains like oh hey by the way i i saw shin earlier and i heard what he did to you so i did fucking blast him like i did slam him right in the face with my hand i hit him with a fist like a rock and then tanabe's like you should have given him the scissors and he's like oh shit to like stab his eyes out and she's like no a a peace sign i meant you shouldn't be violent but (laughs) he means to stab his eyes out it's (laughs) I was like, yeah, go for actual scissors, actually, here, yeah. And and Tanabe was like, no, I I meant peace, but you know what? We'll chalk this one up as a little bit of tough love. It's it's definitely like she was for it. Yeah, and this is that good whole thing of like Tanabe learning from Hachi, Hachi learning from Tanabe, and both of them reaching a pretty good point in the middle of like, yeah, we probably should have punched that motherfucker a little bit, huh? (laughs) Just a little. Yeah. Um, So they walk into the office. Now for the freaking uh, round. Yeah. Yeah. They walk into the office and what the fuck is Ravi wearing? Technora raised the retirement age, LOL. Um, So that is... (laughs) It's worth noting the thing on Ravi's back, the weird ass jetpack thing has El Tanika Industries written on the back of it. Yeah, it's from it's from oh, tomorrow. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, it's from tomorrow. But like my question is like it's a quadcopter where you're just kind of dangling in the center of with landing yep. feet. Why yep. is that on the space station? <laughs> so Why? that he can do better parties. <laughs> yeah. It is literally like one of it's like what if you made a militarized version of one of Ravi's party backpacks? Yes. Like that's what it is. It's fucking ludicrous, and I love it. It's like Elton yeah, like, Industries gets into the party business of making militarized backpacks. Yeah, like if if you mounted two shoulder cannons on either side of this thing, it would legitimately just be a mech unit. But yes. like, 
absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Um, and uh, then, yeah, like, uh, Phil's like, yeah, I was going to retire, but they raised the retirement age a week before I did. Fuck me, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, my wife said I get to work until I die. <laughs> uh, poor fucking Phil. <laughs> poor Phil. Um, so Edel kicks in and is no longer a, uh, a temp. She explains that, oh yeah, when my contract expired, they did the review and, um, I was the best employee they've ever seen. So of course I got hired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, no, I, I was incredible beginning to end the whole time I was here. Of course I got hired. Like, duh, you idiot. <laughs> and, uh, she's apparently working in like the, uh, main org section right now, like the main organization and, um. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Is it what control section? Is. Not control. Or, no. It wasn't control. General affairs. It was I like believe. general affairs. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. Um, and then she hands Hachi a box and says, "Here you go. Um, these were produced and only given to like certain shareholders. They're pretty special." And then, uh, like before she even finishes explaining it, Hachi like pulls it out and it's one of the little mascots in like a box with some Adora. other little toys. And he goes to grab it out. And uh, he's like, oh, it's pretty cool. Oh, my God. And it just starts, like, getting super Wumbo <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> Wumbo size. Like, yeah, she says oh, it grows yeah, to, like, 20, 20 meters, meters or something. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like, she just explains, like, oh, God. It, yeah, it, basically, this thing turns into a 60-foot-tall statue of the thing. Oh, God, we fucked up. Why did we open it in here? <laughs> um, it's also worth noting that she's talking with so much more, like, Enthusiasm. I don't know. It, yeah, enthusiasm in her voice than any time she has ever talked before this in the series. Like, she's it's just like intentionally. It's so good. Yeah, and she's like very much less. Yeah, it's less monotone. You yeah. know, it's like yeah, she's it's willing a, to have more expressiveness. It's almost like she has when a full employment and benefits and isn't crushed at her job anymore. Yeah, it's yeah, not, exactly. Like she doesn't have to work three jobs. He isn't in miserable fear anymore. Yeah, um, and yeah, so. That was probably uh, Edel's first mistake in the entire show, which is uh, pretty funny. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so right at the end. She finally gets to loosen up and is a full-timer and immediately does uh, something hilariously stupid. Yep. Uh, they managed to get it in place. Uh, just fantastic stuff. Thank you, Edel, for one last gift, one last comedic device on the way out. <laughs> um, Best. <laughs> so uh, a bunch of friends show up to say hi to Hachi and Tanabe, uh, you know, ask for his autograph, talking to him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> So the thing that they do that is incredible. Uh, this is a, some of the best coworker fuckery yeah. I have ever seen. Incredible. Um, yeah, they show on the wall. They have hung up and framed one of the most unflattering photographs of Hachi that exists, <laughs> and next to it, the fucking will he yep, left that was just his... a drawing of the Futurama <laughs> space. <Yes. laughs> fucking will. <laughs> The Good photo. luck, Hachi, ran over as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, the God. photo looks like you've been at the DMV for like six hours. Yeah, sort of They photo. would talk about how we had it in the company newsletter as well. Oh, yeah. Hachi's like, yeah. hey, that's my last will and testament. You can't go sharing that. And everyone's just like, yeah, that was in the company newsletter. <laughs> we know. We all know. It's so good. They're even like, Hachi, can you sign it? And he's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> the proper no, I'm response. Not signing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good coworker sass. You love to see it. Very accurate. <laughs> um, so uh, Hachi and Tanabe uh, go out into space with debris section. Um, they can't obviously do collection stuff because they're not on staff, et cetera, et cetera. But Fee, you know, kind of lets them know, like, hey, if if you two want to go into space for a little bit, uh, we still have your suits and uh, you can't pick up anything, but I don't see why you can't go for a little spacewalk. 
Um, so they do, and they really have a uh, just a really nice moment. You know, Tanabe kind of still taken aback at the view of Earth from space, that kind of thing. I think this is where she mentions like she does want to be a debris hauler yeah, she wants again. To yeah. back and be- She's like, hey, once I get all yeah. the way better, I want to become a debris hauler. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty good moment of Ravi and Phil uh, be <laughs> making a bunch of excuses to be like, oh, we should definitely listen into this hot goss. We cannot catch this <laughs> <Yes>. hot goss. <laughs> and Fee, like, like, they're about to turn on the lines and Fee's just like, ahem. And there's a turn and Fee and Yuri are giving the most beautiful faces I have ever seen looking directly at them. Like, oh no, you don't. <laughs> Like, yeah, Yuri reaches over and presses the button that says, do not open comlink. And they just kind of look at him like, no, (laughs) no, no, you idiots. Uh, So we cut back outside and uh, Hachi and Tanabe are playing, you know, some kind of word association. Uh, You play, you have to say a word of the last syllable of the last of a word that the previous person said. Um, Played that as a kid. And they're doing it in, I I, I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be Tanikin. I couldn't really parse the. the, It was in Japanese, but the person who translated it could not possibly do that. So instead, okay, they just that's had to read the Japanese, I was say like, the Japanese, and then say the yeah, English there's word. There's no way you can vocalize it. that. Okay, word. literally, because I thought it was Japanese, yeah. but I was like, why would they just be speaking Japanese all of yeah. a sudden? That makes it, no sense. But it's because localizing it would have been impossible. Literally, I understand yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, I was confused. I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure this is just if Japanese. If you go back and watch like, it, it's <laughs> the Japanese yeah. syllables are the ones matching up, and the English is just yeah. there for our benefit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're playing that and, uh, Hachi at some point's like, huh, shit, I can't think of one that, uh, that ends with that. Um, oh wait, I do have one, uh, marry me. And, uh, uh Tana is just kind of struck for a second and just goes, what? And he's just like, what, uh, does not work. I win. Also, <laughs> let's get married. <laughs> oh my God. What a fucking end for the series. Just, no. just beautiful. <laughs> You motherfucker. Yeah, so the yeah, credits a, play a, here, a but it's like... A great ending of just, like, Hachi continues to extremely just fucking be Hachi. <laughs> but, like, a good... He he has gone from being Hachi to being the cooler Hachi. Yeah. So congratulations, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so the credits roll here, yeah. and they start to do kind of, like, a short vignettes of, like, everybody doing stuff uh, where they are now section for the series. There's some, um, yeah, it, it's like a pretty generic wrap up for the most part. Like there, there isn't really a ton of new information. It's uh, only like given, old people like, who got one episode, maybe like El Kanika starting in space yeah. industry again. Um, mm-hmm. The ninja's uh, the wife <laughs> is at the ninja's yeah. grave. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't my, mean my it My note that for way. that scene are. Uh, yeah, here's my notes verbatim. Ex-wife at Ninja Grave made me laugh. I'm not sorry. Serene hated them so much. It's so funny every time they come back up. It's legit too funny. I'm sorry, Ninja Guy. Uh, because I didn't it mean is... it that way, show. When I said I didn't want to see them anymore, I really didn't mean for you to kill them. <laughs> it's just, like, so good, too, because, like, they don't really show, like, graves or, like, people respecting the dead for anyone else other than, yep. like, obviously the Giggolt scene earlier on. But... Oh, did we mention that Giggolt was born in 2021? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you see that on his grave? No. It was on his grave, 2021. No. Happy birthday, Giggolt. I'm sorry about yeah. everything. 
Yeah, congrats on being born. But, uh, Sorry about your space cancer <laughs> later on. That sucks. One funny thing, uh, punctuating the funny part about the ninja grave is in the scene before it shows the wife at the actual grave, it shows an outside shot of what is supposed to be like yes. a cross building. I'm assuming the memorial building. It's next to the crater the Von Braun left, which, by the way, is like 10 miles wide. So oh God! They just put the Another memorial right detail. next to it. <laughs> yeah, when she's praying at first, she's not like holding her hands in a traditional prayer. She's holding them in like the ninjutsu, ninja yeah. technique, yeah. Hand. Yeah. <laughs> which is extremely good. I'm just like, finally, a Naruto prayer for my dead space ninja. <laughs> Oh, they God. also show the uh, fat ninja guy who is like out looking at a TV with like memorial service. I guess it's the one year anniversary of the incident. And he's mm-hmm. like mopping yeah. up a bar and then just like turns his back to the TV because he can't watch it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it. yeah, it's good that they show that like, no, that had lasting effects. Yep. Like people have memorial services for that. Like it, it was on, a huge disaster. Yep. But life does go on. Yeah. Um. So it also, for the final scene. Oh, sorry. It also oh, shows Lucy in a wedding dress and Colin yes, looking yes. up. Lucy and Colin oh, right. are getting married. There was like a throwaway yeah. line where Lucy was like, yeah, I've got, I, I'm doing pretty well with Colin. I think it's going great. And yeah. it turns out it really He's was going over great. Heels for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was when uh, everyone was like at the office talking yep. to Tanabe and Hachi. Yeah. I forgot about that. Lucy shows up and it's just like, yeah, Colin's pretty gaga for me. You know how it is. <laughs> and the other friends just like, oh, shut yeah, up she already. So like. <laughs> yeah. There's also one more um, shot of half section actually getting new recruits. There's like four yep. or five of them. They yep. actually look like they know what they're doing somewhat. So Fee that, was very that happy. That doesn't sound right. That, that doesn't sound like debris section. <laughs> no. So um, final scene, uh, there's a news crew just haranguing and harassing uh, Hachi's younger brother. Uh, who's just like tra- carrying a rocket over his head, trying to get home, holding a rocket. And, you know, everyone's like, how do you feel about having multiple of your family members go on the mission? And he's just like, fuck off. I'm trying to do <laughs> rocket stuff. I don't give a shit about them. <laughs> fuck them. And then he runs into the house, turns the TV on and like starts scrambling to to get the whole thing in, which Aww. I really like. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he does mention as well, like as he's coming in, the mom's like, God, they still bothering us? Don't they know they're not supposed to ask the family of government agents questions or whatever? Like basically, just like they should know better than to fucking bother us. What the hell? But she's so um, used to it at this point that it's just totally nonchalant. Yeah, the mom is nonplussed by this. Yeah. She just doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> they turn on the TV, and I I think this is where you see Tanabe in the background. Yes, yes. it's it because uh, Kataro like. Scrambles to turn on the TV, and once he gets it, he immediately starts setting up a chair and goes like, come on, come on, you're going to miss it. You got to sit down, and it pans back, and Tanabe's there. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, helping out, doing some stuff around the They're house. Laundry, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Tanabe is staying with the family and just kind of helping out for now. Um, <laughs> oh, I love And then they this. do... They have the conference, uh, and they're all watching the conference, and it's like a really serious, you know, it's borderline just like a metal ceremony kind of situation. Yeah. And um, then everyone's <laughs> watching it very intently, and uh, Hachi makes just a tremendously stupid face and starts <laughs> grabbing at his own ass and bouncing around. 
And then we cut, it cuts and behind Hachi is Goro doing the classic Faust super where you doing put the concho, two of your fingers yeah. out on your hands yep. and like clasp them together and just stab them in the butthole as yep. hard as you concho can. Concho is a very serious and storied game that people in Japan play. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they slap um, people's asses at my high school, so it's not surprising to me that... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like rat tails in yeah. the locker room are like yeah. totally a thing where you, you you turn a towel into a whip that can like give people serious welts and shit. Yeah, I understand. You know, hey, it, it's part of culture, but it is just truly <laughs> tremendous that Goro is willing to do this at perhaps the most important uh, media <laughs> event his son will ever be at in his he entire life. He also has a fantastic <laughs> face when he does this. He yeah. looks so pleased with <laughs> Oh my so god. He's so pleased with himself when actually goes for him. Oh, yeah, that credit. And it's also great Thank you news- for posting it again. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> the newscaster is also trying to cover for this, and he can't say, yeah. like, oh, he stuck his fingers off his son's ass. He has to, like, be, like, delicate so, about it. But, like, there really are so hard. many disaster press conferences in this show, and it's never, like, a major thing, but. I fucking love this thing. This show's dedication to fucking up every press conference that ever happens on it. <laughs> and then, uh, there's the, uh, you see the mom is hanging out. She's doing the laundry and then she hangs out some baby clothes. A baby yeah. onesie. Yep. And the show ends with a shot of Tanabe kind of like patting her stomach. It's like, yep. Oh, well. Okay. So Hachi knocked up Tanabe and is now leaving for seven years. Um, great. Hell yeah. Well done, Archie. I, you have to hope they've at least had a conversation about this and we're okay with this, you know, because that seems like. To be fair, Hachi knows that he was born on a a honeymoon with his parents in space. So he probably thought that was just like standard business or something. True. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Planet X. That's the series. All right. We did it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's. Funny rewatching this a second time because I actually went back after doing all this and reread the manga, um, which differs mm. in quite a bit number of ways. If you would like to hear some of it, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, a lot of the chapters in the manga are out of order. It starts with Yuri's chapter and then goes straight to Nono on the Moon. Tanabe doesn't show up till chapter seven in the manga. Uh, she enters kind of late into that, and a oh, lot of the intro episodes, like the ninjas, the stuff with Tamara, the third section subplot, they don't happen in the manga at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Hachi is kind of less of an asshole and Tanabe is less zealous and idealistic the more grounded I could say in reality uh, kind of makes sense because you gotta like sell a lot of this ridiculousness with voice performances and animation True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and when you're like kind of stuffing a huge amount of material into a much briefer period of time you need to be a little more exaggerated to get the same level of effect from you know certain characteristics yeah yep. Um, there's a lot more Lockhart. Uh, he's much more cold-hearted in the manga and much more serious. Um, there's also a lot more plot about him, including an assassination attempt on him. Ooh. Um, the Von Braun plot in the manga starts up much sooner and it's more focused on, obviously, since they cut out all the early episodes. Uh, Hakim mm-hmm. is a minor character in the manga. He shows up for like two chapters and then disappears after the assault on the Von Braun incident. Ah. Uh, oh, weird. Yeah, Claire isn't actually in the manga at all. She's an anime-only character. Huh. Um, I never would have known. Right? Yeah. Legitimately. Like, that, that it makes sense surprising. now that you say it. Like, it makes sense now that you say it that, like, yeah, Claire, for the most part, was there just to be a foil for people to have to bounce their, you know, ideas mm-hmm. about, you mm-hmm. know, love or caring for each other or the way the world works. Like, she was just there that 
so characters could like kind of have an internal monologue fight with someone else on screen yeah, yeah. a lot of times yeah 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 um and also a note on hakim um the whole scene where uh, Hachi is about to shoot him, that's in front of his father and Tanabe. And uh, Tanabe stops him from killing Hakim by kissing him. Um, she is actually there during the whole, like, uh, I guess, showdown situation. Well, yeah, um, she's, she's not on the moon with Claire, you know? Yeah, correct. Um, on that <laughs> yeah. note, she, uh, since she's not on the moon, she doesn't get hurt on the moon. And she also doesn't get pregnant in the manga. Uh, she continues working on the toy box uh, for the rest of it. Uh, Hachi, yeah. instead of trying to go to Tanabe's house to say hi to her, he's just on the earth having some vacation time when he almost gets hit by a truck, and that's where he has his epiphany about space. Um, they fill in a lot of Tanabe's backstory. Apparently, she was abandoned as a child or as an infant and adopted by her p- parents, which were a heavy metal singer couple. Um, All right. She learned to speak real late, and she was kind of awkward around people, but she could talk to animals. It was real weird. Um, <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> On that note, uh, Leo and Sally have much larger roles in the manga. Um, the Hachi does a training mission with Leo, and that's where he does the 10-hour survival walk. Um, he doesn't uh, get injured by it in any way like uh, Tanabe did, but uh, he does. Leo does get kicked off the mission due to PTSD after that. Yeah. Um, mm. Sally is concerned a lot about Hachi's mental state, having seen what happened to Leo during their mission. Um, when Hachi says he's got to camp out for a week on the moon, which I'm assuming is some sort of translation to the 48 hour thing in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, she gets really concerned about his mental well being uh, to the point where she tries to sleep with him to wake him, snap him out of it. But it ends up being like a weird mother sort of situation where he realizes he needs someone's comfort, and that's when he goes and confesses to Tanabe. It's kind of strange. Interesting. Um, there's actually much more after, uh, so that's kind of where it ends with the anime comparisons. There's much more mm-hmm. after that. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into the spoilers because the manga is actually really good. But let's just say that Colonel Sanders makes deep fakes of the Toy Box crew. So hell yes, <laughs> perfect. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's something I wanted to talk about, um, and that is that considering that we watched the opening. Uh, we've noticed that the opening actually changes a little bit throughout the series. Um, there are like a few things in it, like scenes in it, like change. Uh, a couple of ones I noticed is the the compass. Initially, you see Yuri's compass is closed. Mm-hmm. Then, when you do the episode, you see the message. There's a flash of it with a message, and then um, when it gets shot in space in the rocket, from then on, you now get a flash of the rocket on the beach where the compass is. Yep. And the other one is uh, there's a scene of Hachi where initially he's like facing off with uh, his normal spacesuit in the orange. When he gets space PTSD, that changes to his inner demon, and so he's like on the right, and the inner demon's on the his left. Purple self is on the left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then episode twenty five, they're then crossing each other. They're in the middle, and they've crossed each other. And episode twenty six, they're back to being apart, and the inner demon fades away, melts away. Yeah, and I know like. Vickers noticed a couple of other things that changed in the opening. Yeah, like the um, Von Braun accident on the moon is like very prominently featured with uh, Locksmith and Goro in it in, par- in portion of it. Right towards the end, it actually flips over to being like the memorial that's there rather than the giant explosion that was on there as well. And you said that like... Um... They also add characters, like, as they yeah. show up in the show yeah. to, like, the lineup of characters at the end. Like, even Leo and Sally are there. So it's, like, super interesting, because, like, I don't know of any other show that changes its opening, like, that in, much. in little ways <laughs> and that often. Go watch JoJo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
And it, yeah, it was just like it was really cool. Just like suddenly realized about halfway through, like, oh, some of this has changed. So um, much like other series, I have some questions for you guys because uh, I kind of have seen this two or three times now, but I like to know your opinions on it. Um, I guess first off, let's go. Uh, were there any characters like you liked, didn't like ones that grew on you? I know personally watching this, I've always said that, like I, I like Hakim's motivations, like in his character. Even one dimensional as it is, like is there any you liked or anything? I mean, I really liked Hakeem just because I think Hakeem is like pretty well written. Yeah, uh, you know, beginning to end. It's hard and to write like, a bad guy. Yeah, or an antagonist, yeah. I should and say. Especially one who is like clearly a little distant. So there's always going to be there's like some unease, so it doesn't feel weird when he turns traitor yeah i think that's the big thing like it's usually so easy to tell like yeah. oh this guy's absolutely gonna do a traitor and like yep. hakeem they managed to write it in a way where you're like oh it feels a little uneasy but like it seems like his heart's in the right play and then you're just like oh okay that's why because his motivations were noble yeah they just had terrible means yep. <laughs> yeah like yeah and it's also uh, like he's his friendship with hachi is such a big portion of it because hachi has you know like they are right that they are very similar in terms of people. It's just their end goals were so incredibly difficult that or were so different that it just completely fell apart in the end. It's also like, hard to reach that goal by yourself doing what you're doing with terrorism and whatnot. I mean, it's yes, it's very hard to change the entire, I don't know, society's way of thinking mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, and even just even just the fact that like at the end, Hakeem was like Willing to not do harm to this, you know, innocent kid who was in his, you know, kind of had a moment of like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then wasn't willing to just like walk away from his ideals. Like he just wasn't like, well, guess I'm done trying terrorism. I guess everything's good in the world now. I rolled my dice. Good night. Like, no, he's just like, yeah, I still want to do. I still have the same goal, actually. This (laughs) small, cute child isn't enough to make me turn away from this, you know, my philosophy and choices. But... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not was... as mu- enough of a monster to do this right now. Like, kind of ties mm-hmm. back to the whole "you'll become a beast once you shoot someone" thing. Because, like, he was talking about himself there when Hachi was uh, about to shoot him. Yeah. Did you? Uh, really well done. Have like a favorite moment or scene during this? Like, I know, oh, like God, I was saying, so episodes many. like ten and eleven are probably the most uh, emotional ones. I really like those ones with uh, Tamara, and then. Um, the later on with Yuri's compass. Yep. I, I, yeah, I was going to say everything with Yuri was really, really good and hit me pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the first episode where they go and find the, you know, into memorial plate or whatever. Oh, and yes. Tanabe, you know, has this whole like, Oh, it's this beautiful thing, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, Hachi's like, you don't get it. This is a memorial by assholes for assholes. <laughs> like this is nothing. <laughs> Uh, and I just really like it war. too because, yeah, because it really sets up kind of the level of nuance this show yeah. like has with stuff. Where it's like, a good opening sure, episode. sometimes it's a little, it's a little what I said. It's a good opening episode. Yeah, it like sets the tone for like, hey, this isn't just going to be all idealistic. Like, there's going to be some nuance to what's going on, and mm-hmm. it introduces you to that like in a pretty meaningful way early on, and also just like how different characters are perceiving these events in such different ways and they present it as such, like to the point that at the end, you know, oh, did you do that specifically to make sure those kids in that country could see it? And Haji's like, 
no. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a good start to the series. Yep. For me personally, I liked every time uh, Edelgard was on screen. Yeah. (laughs) She's fantastic. (laughs) She's just the best. Um, I guess Edel is what was intensely relatable. Yes. <laughs> what was your like biggest surprises then? I guess. Do you think the Ooh, ending was God. supposed to end like that? Like, I mean, not knowing it's not how the manga ended, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think for me, like the fucking explosion on the of the von Braun yes. number two engine, yeah. like as the way to introduce Locksmith, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not just that you get that kind of thing it's that you are introduced to this man and in the very same like episode he makes an absolute sociopathic decision that gets thousands of people murdered and then you just have to sit with him for the rest of the series like yeah and and he does it so casually it's so nonchalant like that's the thing that makes it so killer is he's walking up to just the people at a at a at a reception or a help desk being like, "Hey, uh, where's the debris section?" And then someone walks up behind him and goes, "Sir, do you really still want to run those tests? Like, it'll you know, it could be really dangerous." And he goes, "Yeah, it's fine. I sign off on it. Uh, I'll I'll take responsibility if something bad happens." Okay, so back to this debris section. Where were they again? Yep. And that is the amount of gravity this man gave to a decision that yeah, regard ended with thousands dead. Only and he knew trillions could end lost. with thousands of dead. Yeah, he, he he almost certainly knew. That's the other thing, too. Like, the longer the series went on with Locksmith, the more it became clear that, like, yeah, he was pretty pretty aware that that was a very, very real possibility. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's get into that question, then. Do you think Locksmith <laughs> was right doing what he did? I mean, it's no. the end to no. justify the meme. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, no, no. Um, well, I mean, even uh, the show. Uh, I would like, like to ring in. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think even the show, I'm not sure I agree with its, like, decision that, like, hey, as long as you get a good guy in there to control him, like, like, Dolph, it's not so bad. But, but, like, even the show recognizes that, you know, the cost of a guy like this just doing shit like this is incredibly outrageously high, despite what what ends up getting done from it. Yeah. I I do like that the show never really tries to make up for locksmith or redeem locksmith or anything they're just like he's a guy who did this stuff that's who he is like whether or not it's good or bad depends on if you're a good person or a bad (laughs) locksmith may have killed hundreds of people but he also got people to jupiter so who can say if he's good or bad or not I mean, <laughs> Werner von Braun. That's literally yeah, how we I mean, teach him in schools. It, he was yeah. a Nazi, and but he was instrumental in NASA's moon landing, like or in like NASA's rocket program. Now, see, I learned nothing about that dude mm-hmm. being British. I, American, did, I didn't yeah. learn anything about like American space because we didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you think the terrorists are right and there are threats to crash von Braun to get uh, more alloc- more resources allocated to poorer countries? Oh well, boy! I think the thing about it is. <laughs> It showed that the leaders of the group were actually just in it for their own ends, which is generally how it goes. Like, they said that there's a lot of people who do genuinely believe in this thing, and, and yeah, like, absolutely, their their goal of a fair earth absolutely has merit to it. But the leaders don't give a shit about that. They were doing it to get their own ends and just let 
everyone else be taken out of the von Braun. So that's that is often how it happens with yeah. like proper terrorist organizations in reality as well. It is also interesting though that the ultimate end goal that they did achieve was a more fair distribution of resources in Intel. Yeah. Yes. Like and I mean they never go into it, so you can't see exactly why they did it. And, of course, they do do a double traitor on all of the other organization members who yeah. organized it. But the, you know, the overall high-level outcome of this is actually, like, much more in line with the kind of thing that the Space Defense Force was doing than I kind of would expect most shows to go. Like yeah, usually the fact I would that the show say is willing when, to show when the negotiating leader, with terrorists. Yeah, 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 they showed them negotiating with terrorists, but also it's like the high level organization of the terrorists. Usually, you'd expect them to be like, "We're just in it to get super rich, specifically for us, fuck nations, and all of the people we're using." Where in this one, while it's almost certain they stood to benefit massively from this higher distribution of resources. The end goal that they did actually did stop a, like, you know, get a bill pushed through that likely did help the distribution of resources overall. And, like, that doesn't necessarily mean that the system works and everything's great, but... One of the things I liked about the show is the turnaround on the on the terrorists, like, in public uh, support. Like, before mm-hmm. people were saying, like, oh, you know, Into can't make all the rich countries richer. That's bad. And then after the Von Braun incident, everybody's like, oh, fuck these terrorists. Kill them right now. It's it's interesting to see like if only there was some kind of real world equivalent that happened to us when I was in middle school in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. It could be anything. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny to see people have convictions, but then they're immediately turned around when it isn't convenient to them. When someone is going to drop a spaceship on you, it does become a little bit more inconvenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. Uh, what do you think of like Tanabe's idealism versus Hachi's pragmatism, and like how it affected each other through the series? Like they seem, like I said, they wear off on each other. You know, as the series goes on. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, from a character. I've, I've kind of was always more on Hachi's side. I'm I'm pretty pragmatic though, as as a person. Um, so Tanabe, like, talking about love all the time. Just like, fuck off, Tanabe. <laughs> The adults are talking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was never that bad, though. Um, and Hatchie's, like, pragmatism went to an extreme when he got space PTSD. That was like, oof. Yeah, you kind of do need to reel back from that. I think there was a lot of nice, like, push and pull with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it didn't say, like, one side was, like, correct. Correct. Yeah. One side was, like, I was about you to know, say that, bad. like, the show does a good job on not specifically calling out this is the right way to think you know it just yep. kind of presents the ideas and leaves them for you to decide yeah well, and like it shows them both kind of still maintaining their own very distinct personalities yes. and whatnot and traits but like you know just tempering with the other person's yep. kind of nature and understanding and that kind of thing you know like it, it was in a better healthier place for both of them at the end yes. which is Good. No. Like they're still different. They're still very different people. Like Tanabe and Hachi are still ac- absolutely opposite sides of the spectrum when it comes to this, but they're slightly closer in the middle. And Hachi is a f- way less likely to just be like, "Actually, I don't need anyone. Goodbye." Yep. <laughs> he, he's yeah. less likely to be a locksmith and uh, cause right. a big explosion, killing thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I think the biggest thing about it is that like space is the kind of place where the smallest mistake literally will get you killed. Like, 
Tanabe was always very idealistic, but she also took her training extremely seriously, extremely pragmatically. So, like, when the margins for error are that thin, there are places where you have to kind of be willing to bend on these sorts of things. I also like how, like, the series continuously over and over shows both idealism and pragmatism, like, falling apart. Yes. Yes. Getting blown up in people's faces. Both of them have moments of uh, facing down... Yeah, that the the thing they hold as truth just being worthless. And both of them have to deal with that, you yep. know, multiple times throughout the series. Now, I uh, guess in the end, Hathaway's love did uh, did save her and Claire. Made yep. Claire have a moment of, I don't want to die, and save them both. Yep. Uh, what are your there thoughts there you on... There you go, Ty. Love does generate air. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> love makes air. You were right. <laughs> yeah, love finally generated air. God, that asphyxiation scene sucked. Can yeah. we talk about that real yeah, quick? That sucked. This show is willing to fucking show you that space sucks. Yes. Like, that's one thing I loved about it is there is a lot of romanticizing of space, which yes. makes sense when you've got a bunch of astronauts and explorers and all that shit. Like, you have to have that or else these things wouldn't start. Yep. But also... It is not shy in showing you space is not a person. <laughs> space does not have emotions. Space does not care about you. Space will give Cold you cancer if you're up there too long. Yeah. Yep. Space will make you wander out in madness alone and die. Like space will absolutely kill you and make you break your own ideals to steal air from someone else to keep yourself alive. Like it is that kind of place. There will be and, no safety uh, net for you. Like. Yeah, like you could be abandoned in the void for five hours alone and possibly just starve to death or whatever. You know, like it. Yep. Yeah, it, it was a show that very clearly romanticized space and had very implicit on purpose while wow, cool robot moments such as, <laughs> such as like Hachi touching the tandem engine and just straight up being like wow cool robot to the point that he was able to like function again and then yep. in the very um, next episode it blew up that engine and killed thousands of people <laughs> yep yeah yeah it's almost like they were trying to make a point and that point was, Serene, why did you hate the ninjas uh, so much? They I were just so trying to work. Killed. I got them killed, and I'm so sorry. Uh, speaking about the ninjas, what are your thoughts on the show's critique of corporate culture? Oh. It's great. It's fantastic. It's, uh, it's very uh, negative, I guess you could say. Yes, it, it's very interesting because you get all of the different types that you see in that thing, like how... Phil's the kind of boss who thought he was going to retire 10 years ago and he just does not give a shit anymore. You've got the, uh, like, I, I really love something that happens all the time in this series, how every time the gang does something small and cool to, like, fucking stick it to the man, the man just kind of turns around and is like, oh, yeah, we could work with that. Like, oh, you, you're the hero who saved the world yeah, from appropriating space stuff. and shit? Well, we're just going to make, we're going to use your notoriety to fabricate a terrorist plot for a thing that we let happen and killed thousands of people. Thanks, guys. Or even come back later in charge of them and uh, ruin their lives. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna get you all fired. It's all a personal vendetta, the fact that debris section gets disbanded and shit. Like, it... Yeah. It rings so true. Yeah, and just, like, the fact that uh, debris section is treated so poorly just because, like, 
they aren't a big revenue earner and like they're only there because they're they are legally mandated yeah. to have a yep. debris section like it's all about that's the money. why they're there yep yeah again as soon as they showed like oh yeah here's all these nice offices and oh yeah here's the storage room where you work as someone who literally went to and this, this is a true fucking story by the way so i worked in uh warsaw indiana for johnson and johnson and when I went to interview, um, I went and walked up to the main building and uh, went to start my interview. And I had driven was like three and a half hours to get there. It was like 9 a.m. in the morning or something, you know, all sorts of bullshit. I go into the main office and this I'm realizing now how much of a mirror this is. And it fucking sucks, man. <laughs> and, uh, so I go up to the main office and I'm just like, hey, yeah, I'm here for an interview with uh, with, you know, this section. And they're like. Oh, true match? Yeah, no, that's uh, not this building. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's the bus garage across the parking lot. It has been converted into an office. Oh. This is not a joke. I wonder if true match is still in that converted bus garage. If so, yo, fuck you, Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> we did the best work. Holy shit. They literally, they literally had people come and try and copy our corporate culture because we were like more successful than the major office. It was. I'm still mad about it. And that, that, oh, that bus garage sucked. There was no van. I'm so happy I wasn't there during all this because there is zero ventilation. There were no windows. There was no ventilation. Like it was literally a school bus garage that had been, because it was right across the street from a, like a small community college and uh, had been converted into our office and filled with computers and all that. And um, yeah, yeah, as someone who knows what it's like to be uh, treated as, the least important part of the company, despite the company repeatedly trying to reach out to us and be like, Hey, you guys are doing incredible. Uh, can we get some of that juice? <laughs> be like, all right, well, do you want to let us in? You want to, you want to let have, let us have some main building juice. And they're like, mm, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, ho, ha, ha. this uh, show's corporate take hit a yep. lot of ways. And, and, it's a lot also, of different. and, um, go ahead. Oh, Oh, it's just, it's all very accurate, and yeah. it sucks, uh, but it's <laughs> yeah. accurate, and it's right, and it, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's also what makes the Dolph scene feel so good, because oh, so you never get that kind of shit from the higher-ups and things. Yeah, it must because, be fantasy. Yeah, oh, that, that is the, it is the moment the show goes into complete wish fulfillment, when Dolph is like, nah, we actually aren't going to get folded back into Technora, but like... It, it really is so perfect because the idea that you can fuck up a company's quarterly plan that badly is just pure fantasy. It's I mean, incredible. that's not burning a bridge. That's like nuking a bridge from orbit. That's nuking yeah. a bridge and getting away with it yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Uh, so I got some stupid questions because I always think these are more fun to talk about. Uh, what was Yuri's nickname? <laughs> Gigalt gave everybody in the brief section a nickname, including Yuri, but we never hear his. Mm. Wife guy. Wife guy. Makes sense. Life Makes guy. sense to me. No one knows though. Like they didn't know back then is the thing. This is probably like Scar from the movie Lion King or something like that. <laughs> the entirety of it, Scar from the movie yes, Lion King. Yes, the whole King. thing. Um, he's just ferret. Which of the? Ooh. He's just he's just ferret. Why not? This ferret. seems like him. He seems like a ferret. Uh, which Zootopia? <laughs> uh, which brat had the bigger turnaround, Shenzhen or Colin? They both are bratty assholes, and they both get their comeuppance, but they both actually kind of mellow out in the end. So I, I still don't really like Chen Chen. I actually started to like Colin. But you like Colin because he's such a dick. He's such a dick, yeah, so? So? Because I mean, I can't like him. Okay, he's you have great. a type. <laughs> but he starts, he starts doing good things, too. Yes. Like, he yes. uses his 
idiotness, his idiot power he doesn't deserve for the right reasons and to help people out. And so it's kind of like, all right, you're the <clears> worst <throat> and you you still think you're above everyone, but at least you're being philanthrop- philanthropically the worst. Yeah, I also <laughs> feel like for me, Chen Ching's like low point is worse than Colin. Yes. Like Colin was just an yes. idiot rich kid, but Chen Ching like, sexually assaulted Tanavay and I'm just like I was just done with him it, at it that is point. extremely the kind of thing you see on screen that affects so much of that and Chen Shin absolutely did by far worse mm-hmm. so I'm just like I'm not giving it to you buddy I thought you were a jerk you went low and <laughs> you're done now I'm out I'm just sad they didn't show Hachi punching him in the mouth yes <laughs> the they should have I would have liked that scene a lot yeah uh, <laughs> so best minor character with uh, 10 minutes or less of screen time ooh god um, I think Tanabe's friend who looks like a Pokemon gym leader. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what her name was, yeah. She has a name, allegedly, but I think probably in 26 episodes she has less than 10 minutes of screen time. I'm trying to think of, like, people who have, like, low screen time that were, like, memorable. I think Sally oh, oh, the, is probably the not. Guy, the guy that Hachi, who spotted Hachi coming in in his outfit and got all the friends there. He's, like, in a few episodes. Yeah, he's one of the dog workers, like, Yeah, he's one of the basically. dog workers who occasionally, like, talks to Hachi and, and says, like, snide shit. He's great. I love him. For me, it's either Edelgard uh, oh. or that little kid who shows up in the uh, cruise episode. Well, okay, <laughs> sweet little kid. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who do a suicide? No. Um, <laughs> I was going to say uh, whichever of Hachi's friends decided they should throw a hustler in there. In the <laughs> yes. Which was like, yeah, I know you're stuck at the hospital, but like, what if you were stuck at the hospital with a boner? <laughs> um, is Werner Locksmith more of a Lucas name or a Kojima name? Kojima. 100%. So, I do want to say something that didn't occur to me till I looked over the notes and looked at this thing in particular. Werner Locksmith named the Von Braun after himself. He sure did. He just yeah. got away with it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it's after the... It's going to name the ship the Werner Von Braun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, see, I didn't know that Von Braun's first name was Werner, mm-hmm. so I didn't get mm-hmm. that at all. Well, I mean, it, it really didn't click for me because he's introduced as Werner Locksmith, but then it... He's only locksmith. ever called locksmith after that. Yeah. Like it, but it is also the kind of thing the show will never confirm this sort of thing. That is 200% an extreme locksmith <laughs> move. He named that fucking ship after himself, which, oh my God, incredible. Uh, so I guess, Kojima? I, I guess, <laughs> it's pretty Kojima. I think it's Kojima just because it like, it's not Kojima has though. a bad habit of just being like, Here's what the character's purpose is yes. as their name. Yes. Enjoy. <laughs> Which is locksmith in this. Lucas never gives more than 10 minutes of thought to a name, which is how you get the syllable mips, mis, like mishmashes. Uh, and how you end up with all the different instruments of the jazz equivalent in the Star Wars universe known as jizz. That's yes. how we get the plume sounder, the jizz box, the jizz whaler, <laughs> etc. Yes. Uh, sorry, I can't not laugh at jizz whaler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, jizz whaler is an incredible name for an instrument. Like, jizz box is funny, jizz whaler, god <laughs> It needs to be the end of your joke if you're going to tell it. Oh, here comes Burt Blasto. He's going ham on that jizz whaler. (laughs) (laughs) Not suitable for work. Um, I guess the last question we'll have here. If you were hired into the breeze section at Technora, how long do you think it would be before you quit? Ooh, God, that's a tough one. Um, I made it 
three and a half years at my first job. <laughs> I liked the people there. I was basically a husk by the time that I left. So somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay, so my PhD was four years. I was slightly better off than you were. And also had a pretty good career around me, but was also... Yeah, just worked. So done. Yeah, especially at the postdoc at the end. So maybe five at a push. I've uh, personally had a lot of bosses that are like the third section chief. And um, six months, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the problem. like Because yeah. the office <laughs> itself and the debris section, folks, like for me, a big part of how long I can tolerate a job is do I like the people I work with and interact with on a daily basis? Like mm-hmm. even if the company itself is making some stupid ass decisions, it usually doesn't get to me that yeah. much. But if I don't like the people I'm working with, I'm out of there in a week. So I was going to be like, oh, probably a pretty long time. But as soon as you reminded me, oh, yeah, it's no longer Dolph. It's now the third division guy. Like, Ooh. yeah, probably like. Yeah, true. I mean, that's the thing. When I was doing yes. my PhD, Five I months. liked my supervisor. <laughs> when I was doing my postdoc, I did not like the guy I was working for. And that was only six months. Uh, so and I was like not prepared to do mm-hmm. another one with mm-hmm. him. So, yeah, Dolph, five years. Other guy, six months. Yeah, that's fair. That's it's definitely a big factor in on it. So nothing's worse, by the way, than getting hired, and then in like a month and a half, having the entire leadership structure above you get switched up. Yeah, it is. The, it is the fucking worst. That that happened literally exactly when I moved to John, like when I worked for Johnson and Johnson. It was like uh, I worked Oof. under this one engineer who was fantastic, super chill about stuff. Was like, yeah, like it, it's whatever. As long as you work for eight hours, like it really doesn't matter that much when you're here. Yep. As long as you get the shit done. Uh, and then it got switched and another person on top ended up being this ex-military chud who was yep. just so hard up about like, if you're not here by nine, you're cheating <laughs> the company. And it's that bullshit. Oh. So like, yep. oh, dude, yeah. Management. this motherfucker, yeah. this motherfucker tried to like strike up conversation and become friendly with me just talking about music and stuff. And it was like some of the most uncomfortable shit I've ever seen. <laughs> it was like. It, it was like seriously like watching a robot try to be human for like 20 minutes it was it was fucking insane every time this dude talked to me yep. <laughs> i was just like yep. i was like can you just be human can you just be human for a second with me <laughs> never never for me my postdoc supervisor is one of those guys who expects you to work miracles and just like do shit and i wanted to punch him because he was like i was like showing him a thing being like this doesn't work and he's like will make it work. And I'm like, you fucking asshole. It doesn't work. What do you want from me? I'm already working like 12 hour days for you, you son of a bitch. Like, fuck off. I can't make this work. And I just wanted to murder him after the six months. So I want to, to give you an idea of how much we didn't like this boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just sorry, I just remembered something really good. So myself and my friend Jared, who uh, we were like coworkers on a lot of like projects together like of our team we were like kind of the top of our team and uh <laughs> we had this one co-worker who got hired in uh, a really small indian dude named rock shock which is the sickest name <laughs> by the way uh it was it was like this super nice dude we love rock shock to death and um at some point though like <laughs> we just were like god rock shock's like such a pro wrestler name like God, imagine Rock Shock d- d- elbow dropping Chad off the top ropes. It was the <laughs> boss, and it got to the point where we were like, so had this idea stuck in our head that I just got on Twitter and 
hit up a friend of mine who's an artist, Cassie, and was like, yo, Cassie, can you uh, elbow drop or can you can you draw a small Indian man elbow dropping uh, Matt Damon? Because he kind of looked like Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I bet Jared may still have in his desk somewhere a picture of Rock Shock elbow dropping her boss that I commissioned on Twitter in the middle of the workday. <laughs> Beautiful. <sighs> uh, so our next... Uh, our next movie. Are we, we gonna say that now, or are we going with? <laughs> I put forth one okay. suggestion. I did not hear I, any other suggestions, so by default, it I has to be. I don't even want to say it. Like I think it's right is the thing, but I don't wanna. I know, I wanna. but I, I like, feel like we are gonna plumb the depths for a lot of Americans here. Look, I'm sitting here being like, I don't know if I should be scared or not. I, <laughs> I have no idea what's coming, so. <laughs> I, I just so, like, yes, it's perfect. <laughs> it's like one step off up from the pest is what I'll say. Like I think the, the pest and then Master of Disguise is like maybe above it. But I'm I'm excited to be proven wrong because we're gonna watch fucking Master of Disguise, by the way. Which I can't What was the last thing Dana Why are we doing was this? In? Was it that? There's not even a sequel. <laughs> that, yeah. How bad do you have to be as a comedy that you don't get a sequel? Ooh, yeah, right. Grown ups got a yeah, sequel. Yeah, they all have sequels. Well, well, just, I gotta got look sequel. up and see what Dana Carvey's done Sex recently. Sex and the City's getting a reboot. <laughs> he was a Why bunch of voices and shit like Secret Life of Pets. God. And don't worry, we're gonna, we will absolutely mention the time where they had to stop filming Mr. <laughs> of Disguise for 9-11. <laughs> yeah, that was the last Wait, major he, film he was in. Is he uh, a he turtle in, yep. in the Secret Life of Pets? I feel like if he's not a turtle, that's a missed opportunity, right? <laughs> No, Data Carvey's just never did anything else. <laughs> how did that how did that commercial I mean, I know how did that commercial get so much airtime because they paid ludicrous amounts of money to do it. I guess what my question more is, why did they put so much fucking money behind it? Right. <laughs> I don't understand. Because that commercial was everywhere. Everywhere. I don't know anyone who saw the movie, but I heard at least 25 <laughs> kids independently Same. quote the trailer. Same. That, it's, it was so ubiquitous. It's the Sears air conditioner commercial of film trailers. Another scorcher. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> are we, are we going to cut this? <laughs> no, I say we go here. So, yeah, we're going to watch Master of Disguise. Uh, Unfortunately, I'll see you. We'll see you next time for Master of Disguise, I guess. Disguise anime. anime.